Welcome back to the Make Account Podcast. I'm Marcus Muir, founder of Muir Group CPAs and the Total Control Accounting System. And I'm Tyler Warner, small business owner with a lot of accounting questions. In this episode, we're talking about how to prepare for filing your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, specifically individuals. So kind of going to walk through. So we're at January 19th. Excuse me. Um, And so just be thinking about what's coming. So a lot of things, I would say, coming in the mail, but you probably got some things coming electronically via email. And you've lived long enough to know it's coming. Correct. You've got to do it. Yeah, links to download information. We're going to walk through kind of what you should do. Oh, gotcha. You mean from your, your firm? Well, no, no, not necessarily from my firm, from your your employer, from your uh, brokerage account. Gotcha. Like, so you as a, so not, take away you being a client of ours, just as you as an individual tax yeah. person, like individual person who has a file a tax return, mm-hmm. you've got some information coming and I want to give you some tips of like yeah. what's coming, what to look out for, things you might need to request, yeah. things you might have forgotten about. Car commercials are about to start changing. Oh, God, yeah. They're yeah. going away from the buy buy, uh, get immediate tax write-off, buy your big SUV, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going to the, what, TurboTax Live and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> God, when that, it makes me think about, like, when the Super Bowl is happening, it's all tax, com- like, not all, but yeah. a lot of, like, do your taxes, yeah. H&R Block Online, yeah. it's easy. Like, it used to be just web design commercials for a while. Really? There, so, yeah, yeah, that's when I saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> when it was like, wow, there was three, yeah. like, how to build a website. You're like, yeah. Yeah, transition. Yeah, exactly. yeah. All right. So here's some kind of some practical tips as you start thinking about, okay, I got my tax return to file. Start thinking through your year. And what I mean by that is obviously the big things you know if you had a child, you got married, got divorced, mm-hmm. you know, those yeah. kind of big life events. But just start or one I put on here is did you take money out of retirement? A lot of people, sometimes it happens. You lose a job. So just be thinking through. <clears throat> Excuse me, because the the more you can tell your tax preparer about your situation, the better the questions they can ask you to lead you into the documents or information they need. Gotcha. So a lot of this is just saying, hey, you know, guy or gal that's filing my taxes, here's what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And maybe their questionnaire leads you into that. Like a lot of people use digital questionnaires and organizers. But if not, just to start to tell them like, oh, yeah, we, uh, you know, I went back to work. Like maybe your spouse went back to work and now we had to put the kids in daycare or summer camp. Like mm-hmm. those are relevant points of information, even though you as the taxpayer may not know the tax relevance. They hold tax significance, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah, gotcha. All right, well, let's dive in. So that's kind of the first point. Think through the year, look at your calendar. Yeah, like when, you know, when best things I would say are money out of retirement, big transactions, Mm -hmm. kids kids in school, kids not in school, kids at daycare, kids at summer camp, who worked, who didn't, that sort of thing. Big life events. Did you have a new job? I'd say even take out an actual calendar. I mean, I've done that not for tax purposes, but just like I think me and my wife the other day were just like looking at like, oh, what did we do each month? And it was really really interesting. Yep. So second point I would say is, so you're starting to think through a year. One, One thing that I get all the time, like- Inevitably, when people hear like, we're a CPA firm, so everybody immediately goes to taxes, which I'm always trying to dispel that myth. Like, well, yeah, no, we, we do taxes. We want the yeah, we do man. taxes as a piece of the equation, but like everybody's like, oh, you do taxes, and they're like, okay, so my brother-in-law, mm. <laughs> it's always, or um, my cousin, his CPA said, and it's all these tax strategies, mm-hmm. and most of them are myths. And what I want to say is, sometimes and oftentimes. The best tax strategy is just being organized. Wow. Meaning, 
Have your information readily available for your tax preparer. Know the things they need such that you're not dependent upon their questions to farm it out of you. Yeah. So like have your documents in order. Have the we talked about like the summer camps and the daycare and the charitable contributions and the tax payments you made that made like a like a property tax payment that may or may not be on a tax form. Like yeah, start to understand I think that. That's huge. Yep. Like you need to print that everywhere. But I mean that's every story I've heard you tell of like these like oh man they overpaid their taxes or they got taxed too much whatever. Yeah. Oh I guess it all ends up being they overpaid. But it was all because you didn't know some piece of information when you needed to know it. Right. And and that's kind of your whole point is if you're organized, the data will tell all that story yeah. if, you, if it's there in the numbers. And if, you know. Well, and, and, and also I want to make the point of most people, especially if you're like a W-2 kind of earner, you don't have a business – and even if you do have a business, there's not some magical tax bullet. I think everybody is watching. They're getting all their information from social media, quite honestly, and TikTok mm-hmm. and stuff on Instagram. It's like, yes, there are tax strategies. I'm not, like, diminishing that idea. But for most people, and even the people who have tax strategies, sometimes it's not as good as you think yeah. because it's complicated and a lot of it's like, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing? Is it, yeah. It's expensive for these strategies. Mm-hmm. But for most people, just being organized is like 90% of it. Yeah. You're missing out on things because – not because you didn't know the latest tax strategy. It's because you didn't know that you had to claim or that you uh, you sent your kid to a summer camp and you could claim that for the child the Pentacare credit. Right. So just – But yeah, if you didn't have summer camp in your books, exactly, you know I mean? then it doesn't flag and it doesn't yeah. come up. Yeah. yeah. So just be organized. Have your information ready. Be thinking through your year. You're all, you're already off to a good start. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about the documents that are going to be coming by the end of January. So by law – I say by law. They say you're supposed to issue your W-2s to your employees, your 1099s, all that kind of information by January 31st. So just be thinking – Who's they? The IRS? No, whoever's the issuer. Okay. So like if I'm your employer, I'm supposed to give you your W-2 right. by January 31st. Gotcha. And I say by law. I'm not even sure what happens if you don't, but everybody's doing that. You don't that. want to find out. You don't That's want to find out. They've disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know about yeah. it. We can't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so W-2s, your 1099s. So that would be your 1099s like from your bank account. Which I'm saying that kind of laughing, like who? Not many people are getting that much interest on their bank account anymore mm-hmm. under the old interest rates. But you know, if you got 1099s from a savings account, or you're getting dividends from a certain account, or you've got your brokerage account, mm-hmm. like a taxable, not your not your retirement, but like you started a, a TD Ameritrade account and you're trading in there, and you might have some dividends or some yeah. capital gains, like that stuff starting to come, which. Also, should kind of back to our first point, be thinking one of the life things that happened. Oh, I started a brokerage account. Yeah. That's a life event. Yeah. I, I put 20 grand into a Ameritrade account. Yeah. And I think we forget because those things are so accessible now. Like, yeah. they're so self serve yeah. that, like, I've done that before. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. I forgot I started a new, like, and whole how, new brokerage account. Correct. And how would your tax preparer know that? Yeah. And also, I would say, too, this is a good and a bad of digital age, which I love everything digital. What happens when you start one of those accounts? What are the first things? One of the first things they ask you is, do you want to opt into e statements? You so a lot of times tax 
tax documents prompt you because they come in the mail and the envelope says, I'm sure you've seen this, important tax information enclosed. Mm, yeah. When you I opt, ignore all mail. Yeah, well, that's you. When you opt into <laughs> you give it to your wife. Yeah. yeah. When you opt, she ignores it too. Yeah. Well, yeah that's no true. one's checking our mail. <laughs> that's true. When you opt into the e statements and then you cut and it's something that you did on a whim, which a lot of us have done, like I've had clients be like, I just put thirty grand in this account because somebody gave me a great stock tip and I had a buddy Buddy store. He was like, I got this buddy. He's telling me the airlines are really about to pop. Yeah, yeah. So I put 50 grand in the TD Ameritrade. I was buying like United Airlines. I'm like, it's a terrible idea. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's one of those things. He told me that I literally went in, in his file, like on our, like in our documents, I'd like put like a notepad note, ask for TD Ameritrade tonight. Cause I know he's not going <laughs> to yeah. do it. Yeah. So again, like you get e statements, you do this on a whim, you're not even thinking. I bought and sold a stock and lost money or made money or I got right. dividends. Like it's just then what happens? You get that, you file your return, you didn't report that, you get an IRS notice. Like it's a just the downward spiral. Again, yeah. be organized. Shoot, send your CPA an email. Text them. Hey, I formed a, I started a TD Ameritrade account. Just mm-hmm. put that on file. Yeah. They'll they'll put it. I, I know this. I look at people tell me they change it for their address. I can't put it in the tax software because I don't have that year's tax software yet. I literally just go make a notepad note, put it in their file, change address to one two three Main Street. Done. Yeah. I don't even. Re- I don't have to remember it. Yeah. That's that. Honestly, might be the best point. Just send your CPA an email. Hey, yeah. I did this. Just ask me about it later. Yeah. Just keep, have it on file. Yeah. All so right. just be thinking through those things. What's coming? What's um, you know, what you need to be looking for? Yeah. The basic documents you need. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I said 1099 is a 1098 is your mortgage interest statement. Obviously, that's generally mailed to you, but sometimes not. Sometimes it comes, you know, with an email that you maybe goes to spam. So just be looking out for those kind of things. Gotcha. All right. Number four, receipts that could be delayed. I don't okay. Know so think it about it this way. If you give to your church or a nonprofit, depending upon the size of that church or nonprofit and their level of back office support administratively, you're at their mercy of them sending that receipt saying what you gave during the year. Now, they're supposed to send it by the end of the month, but if they are a small church with a half you know, time secretary yeah. whose job is it to issue the, the tithe statements at the end of the year, they could miss it. They could forget. They could be delayed. They're, you know, it's a small organization. So, again, back to that, those life events. You know if you gave monthly to a church or Food for the Hungry or K-Love or St. Jude. You, mm-hmm. you know, look at your credit card statement or anything on auto draft that you're not even thinking about. Or this, like we, it happened to us a couple years ago. I remember we signed up for this Food for the Hungry thing. And it's one of those things where once you do it, you don't want to, like, turn it off. Yeah, yeah. You want to, you're like, okay, we've committed to giving 40 bucks a month. We're going to do this. You know, three years later, you forget you're doing it. And then you mm-hmm. look at your credit card statement and say, well, are we deducting that? Mm-hmm. I, don't even, I don't even remember getting a statement. So what I did was I put a note in my own tax file. It was like some random Tuesday in July. Yeah. Remember, to, we were giving 40 bucks a month, which is 40, you know, 480 bucks a year to Food for the Hungry. They may not send me a receipt. Gotcha. So there's two parts here. One, recognize that it needs to be correct noted so as, a, as a donation. Right. But also, you have to have a receipt to verify that. Yeah. And the and receipt you don't turn into the IRS. You just need to have it. Correct. You okay. need the receipt to substantiate. And I even have a note here. Your receipt, specifically for charitable, needs to have this magic language, which is 
no goods or services were re- were received in exchange. Gotcha. You even notice a lot of churches say uh, will say the only thing you got was intangible religious benefits. You ever seen that? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what they're saying is that's called the quid pro quo rules. So in the charitable world, if I give you five thousand dollars, if you give me something of value back, think of it like a silent auction. I bought a $5,000 painting at your auction, you being the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But that painting's worth $2,000. Well, my charitable donation is not $5,000, it's $3,000. I see. That's the quid pro quo. Did you get something back? Only what you can only deduct what you got back, what you gave over and above the value you received in return. Right. So for a church, they're saying, well, we gave you some benefits, but admittedly they're intangible religious benefits, which right, in the right. tax world have zero value. <laughs> yeah. So my point in all that is be darn sure that your receipt has that language. Gotcha. The reason is because the IRS has come back in case law and said, hey, we, we're auditing you, Tyler. We mm-hmm. see that you gave to a charity. We won't even argue that you gave to the charity. What we'll say is we're not sure you didn't get anything in return, and we're disallowing the deduction. Wow. So just have that on file that says I got nothing in return and you're good. Yeah. Um. Also, I would note on charitable and smaller organizations, maybe your address isn't correct. Maybe you moved. Be just be aware. Again, thinking through, I was giving to this charity. I, you know, maybe they mailed you a receipt and went to your old address, and maybe you're outside the six month window of your email, your your mail getting forwarded. I don't know. Right. Again, just goes back to thinking through what you did throughout the year and what you should expect, and just communicate that. Right. Yep. Okay. A couple other things on this list. Yep. Child care and um, summer camps. You kind of alluded to that earlier. Is yeah. That just so another thing to just investigate. Yeah. So if you, so this is the, the backdrop of this is both spouses have to work because what we're talking about is the child and dependent care credit. Child and dependent care credit is available for expenses you pay generally for daycare or pre-K, but summer camps also qualify. Now, they qualify for a federal credit, those amounts you, and they're limited to the amount you spend, but the credit is limited to the earnings of the lesser earning spouse. So the thinking is we're not going to give you a credit if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Because you yeah. could have just watched them. But if either of you both work, we'll give you a credit to, to the extent of the lesser earning spouse, which generally is going to be more than what you paid to the summer camp or the daycare. The takeaway here is you send your kids to summer camp, not overnight camps, but like the day camps. Yeah. Like just name yeah. your day camp. Sure. Um, or or daycare. Have those receipts. You need to know how much you paid, the name of the organization you paid it to, pretty easy, their address, and their tax ID number. Very important because you have to report that when you file your tax return, when you file what's called Form 2441, Child Independent Care Credit, you have to disclose that information. Gotcha. All right. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's easy. All right. There's one one here for Louisiana residents. Louisiana residents, you're, um, there's a Louisiana school deduction. Uh, so if you send your kids, and this generally relates to private school, but it also relates to a certain extent to public schools, you get up to $5,000 for tuition, fees, books, supplies, uniforms, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, that's not something that the schools are, are have to send out to you. That's something you'll have to request. So again, life event was my son going to public school and then in August switched to the local private school. You need to be thinking, is there anything there? I, again, email your CPA in August. Hey, 
you know, Tyler, you're, you know, Tyler, my son, he started at the local Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I need to do with that? If I'm your CPA, I'm making a note in my file, ask them about the tuition statement. So again, just that communication, mm-hmm. just be thinking through, but you get up to $5,000 for uh, school expenses, which, you know, like I mentioned, I rattled them off. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about some things you can do after year end, right? So everybody's most people, once the tax year is done, it's done. You can't yeah. do anything. Books are closed. But. 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 Okay. <laughs> you can make. You can I, pry them back open. That's right. You can okay. you can look back. Gotcha. Yeah. You can make IRA contributions that would be deductible for the prior year or HSA contributions. HSA being a health savings account. So a couple mm-hmm. things. IRA, this would be a traditional IRA. Right, so this would be not. This would be where you put the money in, you get a deduction, and later in life, you get you, when you pull it out, you get taxed. If you listen to the last episode, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about retirement accounts. That's what we're talking about. Um, so you could put up to six thousand dollars in a traditional IRA, seven thousand dollars, and this is per person, husband and wife, or taxpayer and spouse. Uh, seven thousand dollars if you're over fifty. What's called a catch-up contribution. Now, that's subject to certain limits. Once you start making over a certain amount and or you're in a retirement plan like at work, those limits start to get uh, phased out to where you can still put money in a traditional IRA, but it wouldn't be deductible. Mm -hmm. So there's just certain things to think through. But the point here is there's things you can do for the prior year after the year end. Now, these have to be done by April 15th. So that would be your IRA health savings account. So a health savings account, quick backup on that or information is health savings account presumes to be able to contribute to a health savings account, you have to have a high deductible health plan. And that's determined. Generally, you you should ask your insurance provider, hey, what is my plan HSA compliant? And if it is, you can make tax deductible contributions to a health savings account. Then you use that money to pay for or reimburse yourself for out-of-pocket medical expenses. It's an awesome tool. And a lot of clients use this and they do this exactly what I'm talking about. They'll get in January, February, March, and they'll make the contribution for the prior year. The limits are as follows: thirty-six fifty for a single person, seventy-three hundred for a, a family. Uh, you get an extra thousand dollars if you're over fifty-five. So, just something to be thinking about. Like a lot of times, people ask me again. I think people think taxes have these magic bullet, and that all the rich people have all the loopholes. That's what they've been told. Sometimes, you just take take uh, advantage of the low hanging fruit: mm-hmm. IRAs and health health savings accounts, retirement plan contributions. Very simple, yeah. not sexy, but do this over time, you'll be in a really great right. shape. Yeah, like most things in life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Not yeah. sexy, you just be yeah. disciplined, do yeah. them over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. All right, last point here, thinking ahead to 2023. Yeah, what I would say is, you know, and, and this, is gonna, this is not going to resonate so much with people who um, don't have a small business, but what I would say is when you're thinking through how to pay your taxes— withholding is always better than paying quarterly. So let me kind of give you some background what I mean by that. I'll give you my example. I have a CPA firm, obviously. I'm an employee of the CPA firm. I get a W-2 paycheck, but I, but my income is not solely from that. My income is two things. It's the W-2 I receive, but it's also my share of the net income from the company. Okay, so my tax liability is, the, is on the sum of those two things. I set my withholding from my paycheck such that it covers the tax on that whole, all of that income. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that important? It's important because you're supposed to pay your taxes 
quarterly throughout the year if you're self-employed or anybody really. You're supposed to, the taxes are a pay-as-you-go system. And withholding, when, it's, when you withhold, it's, it's deemed to be rateable throughout the year. So here's my point. You could pay quarterly, but let's just say you miss it. You're not, you miss a quarter or you don't pay exactly what you should. You didn't estimate properly. That's a snapshot in time. Like you paid on June 15th. That's when you paid it. But let's just say I took a $50,000 bonus on the last day of the year and I withheld the whole paycheck. I just said, make a federal withholding. That is all deemed to be done rateably throughout the year. Why is that important? Because the estimated tax penalty is running on what did you pay quarterly? Mm. Well, now if I withheld you know, 48000 on December 31st, it's like I withheld twelve in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth oh. quarter. Versus what if I just made tax payments of twelve on April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, January 15th? Gotcha. My point I'm saying is if you are self-employed and you have the ability to take a W-2 salary, to manage your taxes, a lot of times it's better to just have withholding from your paycheck than to try to pay quarterly. Because you can you can do it in such a way where you you don't pay the underpayment penalty, which a lot of people do because they mess up their estimates. Gotcha. So just long story short to say, if you can and you're self-employed, the best way to pay your taxes is through withholding. Because you get to kind of game the system a little bit. If you mess up, you can go later in the year and take more withholding, and it's deemed to be done rateably throughout the year. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Is that about as clear as mud? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> work, with a, work with a CPA. <laughs> yeah, I think the point there is just be thinking through if, you have, if you're self-employed and you can take a W-2, your withholding is your yeah. friend in that example. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, man, this has kind of been quite the punch list of things to consider yeah. whenever you're uh, preparing for your taxes and working with somebody. Um, but yeah, I just want to kind of end it with that. I think the, the, the organization is the best tax strategy. I think if you can glean anything from this episode, it's that take that and run with it. Yep. Absolutely. Pretty fundamental. So, um, yeah, as always, you can go to mirror.group, find more episodes there and certainly reach out uh, to Marcus and his team from there as well. All right, guys. See you next time. Until next time. Bye. 